Welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is Robbie Martin. This episode is just going to pick directly up from the ending of the last episode with uh, me and Abby about Israel. So please make sure to listen to that before you listen to this because it is a direct continuation of our conversation from that episode. But if for some reason you don't want to listen to that episode or if you need a reminder of what we were just talking about in the previous episode, we were just having a conversation about the director of the Al-Shifa Hospital in Gaza being arrested by the IDF for alleged Hamas collaboration. So we're just going to go directly into that conversation starting now. The head of the hospital was arrested a couple of days ago by the time that we're recording this and it followed the IDF sending a clip around to all the major media networks supposedly showing a, I believe it was like an Israeli hostage that Hamas brought in for treatment. Either that or it was like a, like a wounded Hamas guy who the hospital was treating. Mm-hmm. It was like surveillance camera that apparently showed that. And that was seemingly like their slam dunk for being like Hamas was there or was using the hospital, (laughs) and they arrested the hospital head after that. And also, and you said that the media is just towing the line and people have such a short attention span. That is true. But on the other hand, the things Israeli are, the things the Israeli government are trying to say are so blatant that even like media networks that don't normally ask hard questions are like accidentally like asking or saying things during these broadcasts that it's like, well, wait a second. Like, I thought you said this, like there'll be these moments where you're like, oh shit, like the Israeli government, like is not even like getting CNN to toe the line a hundred percent. Like for example, Ehud Barak was on, um, I forgot whose show it was, but she, he was on a show and on it, he was basically saying that the, that the tunnels that what they're showing, the IDF is like showing currently to prove that Hamas had a command center under there was actually like a former IDF bunker that the IDF built in that exact location, like in the nineties or something. <laughs> and then the, the host was right. like, wait, hold on. I, I think I might've misheard you. Are you saying the Israeli government as actually, that's a bunker for the IDF? And he's like, yeah, he's like, it's like, it was well known that like we built like a bunker there and she was like all confused. And then another interesting clip I saw was of a Fox news reporter. And I should say Fox news is a hundred percent like pro-Israel Mossad IDF Mm -hmm. right now. Um, But Fox News guy getting the same like little tour, because basically they're taking media people now on tours of the so-called Hamas command center. And in the, during the tour, the Fox News guy with being taken around by this IDF guide is like, he's like, so I'm noticing right now that like the tiles on the walls here and like the ceiling pattern, like looks like identical to the hospital and the IDF, like, guy guiding him is like uh-huh and he's like do you know what i'm saying like it looks like this exactly the same he's like why, why is that <laughs> what, what what is your comment on all this that because I, we know where this is all being mm-hmm. done for it's to justify bombing hospitals they want to continue mm-hmm. to bomb hospitals while the world watches so what do you what's your yeah well at first it was like ali arab hospital the the giant massacre that that airburst munition just you know blew up 500 people like within 
you know, within seconds, 500 lives were gone. And then it just was blamed on Hamas. And it was like this huge back and forth. And then after that, it was just totally normalized. It was like because there was this mounting outrage over the fact that a hospital was bombed and that many people lost their lives. It was like Israel saw that pressure valve. And so they immediately squashed it with the disinfo. And then after that, no one seemed to have the same amount of outrage about the amount of hospitals that were being bombed, admittedly. Yeah. And so there was just, it became an all out war on hospitals. And it was also UN protected buildings, shelters, and schools. It was like literally like where civilians were sheltering. Mm -hmm. And you can't even remotely blame that on anything targeting Hamas at all. Like especially that refugee camp where they killed 400 people and they claimed that a Hamas guy was in the vicinity Uh of the camp. And that somehow justified it. And even Anderson or even Wolf Blitzer was like, but there were civilians there. Uh And, 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 you know... But, but then I realized, like, this is a really crazy strategy that they, that they did during the Nakba. Like, this is what the Nakba was. The Nakba was terrorism. You raise 500 villages to the ground, and at the barrel of a gun, you force the expulsion of the remaining inhabitants. And that is exactly what is happening. And the reason that there is an all-out war on hospitals and other civilian infrastructure sheltering refugees is precisely that, because they don't want anyone left. They want to raise Gaza. They want to turn it into a soccer field. They want a strip mall there. They want they want the land. It's 25 miles of a lot of beachfront property. It's gorgeous. Um, they want it. But Abby, and I so thought you said Hamas to... or Gaza was an open-air concentration camp. Why are you saying it's gorgeous? <laughs> Have you seen that talking point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they're like, like, which one is it? Show people. Yeah, they show people eating in restaurants, and they're like, I thought they were in a concentration camp. Fuck, Jesus, people are. Well, that that talking point alone. I'm sorry. Why is it that you can hold two thoughts at the same time that contradict each other? Why is it that you can understand that Israel can and has apparently has the right to cut off water and electricity and fuel and aid from from a territory, but then also don't understand how they are being occupied? (laughs) <laughs> like yeah, how how is it possible that you're holding those thoughts in your mind? I mean, it, it's it's because it's complete mental gymnastics. I mean, I, I it's it is absolutely fascinating. Yeah, so their war on hospitals, they they started just bombing yeah. them directly because they were telling them like if you and they were dropping leaflets all over the north, which is like 1.5 million people live in the north, and so they they completely leveled the north. You see satellite imagery now; it's like it's it's done. Yeah. There's no returning back to their homes. Even during this alleged truce, my friend was like, they are sniping people who try to enter into the northern territory. Mm-hmm. They are sniping them dead. And so his parents actually won't leave their homes in the north because of pride. They, one of them is physically impaired. Um, and they are now they're afraid to leave the north because they're afraid of getting sniped by snipers to leave. So now you have this conundrum where a lot of Palestinians who stayed don't want to leave because they're afraid of getting killed. And also the Palestinians who fled, they can't even go back to their family who stayed because they're afraid of getting killed to go back. And that's happening right now during the alleged truce. But all the hospitals that are being bombed, it is unbelievable and unprecedented. I have never seen this in any conflict. Maybe this happened, I don't know. I mean, maybe it happened in in other conflicts. I'm not aware of that. I am not aware of an all-out genocidal onslaught on healthcare facilities. And it's not just that, Robbie. They were, because Israel has a database of where everyone lives. They have full-blown surveillance of every single house 
everyone's phone calls, they brag, you know, they, they play just civilian phone calls all the time when they're in like training you're talking about Hamas? courses with the IDF. Or are you talking about Not Palestinians? Not just Hamas. No, no, no. All, no, Ga- Gaza. Oh, okay. Gaza. Israel totally has full-blown surveillance grid on the entire Gaza Strip and they know every single building. Yeah. They know where everyone lives. They have a, a full roster of every person's homes. That's why it is so crazy the amount of journalists and their families who've been assassinated. Yeah. Because this isn't just, oh, this is collateral damage. Oh, civilians are just dying. No, they are targeting people. So the doctors, like doctors would leave their shifts and go home and then their house would get bombed and their entire family would get massacred. This happened so many times. We're like, or like surgeons, all all of like the best and brightest are being targeted and and murdered. So all the doctors, like orthopedic surgeons, like b- basically all the top like hospital staff. Jesus. And then the journalists, like that poor Al Jazeera journalist, because they hate Al Jazeera. They've already banned it in Israel, and Al Jazeera is debunking a lot of their shit. And so they, you know, that you you I'm sure you saw they bombed the Al Jazeera guy's entire. They wiped out his whole family. They killed yeah, all of his kids did. and his wife. Um, and there's mass graves like being live streamed real time. But that that is what they are doing. They are going down the roster and they are targeting all of the journalists and then just claiming it's just collateral. It's just a war zone, Robbie. It's just collateral damage. They're not targeting the journalists who are critical of them. They're not bombing their homes deliberately. They didn't bomb Ahmed Artema's home deliberately. Really? It, it is so... Insane. It's like, again, the contradictory thoughts at once. It's like, on one hand, we're supposed to believe that they're only like, they have all of the Hamas, like, that's why Hamas is underground. (laughs) Right? Mm -hmm. And it's also like, it makes no sense that they're just bombing and leveling everything if Hamas is living in the tunnels. Like, that. that's according to Israel's Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean... So it's like, well, what exactly are you doing? Yeah, the whole thing is is everything doesn't actually add up. That's the, what's so fascinating about everything they say. You know, I would say it would be a conundrum for them, but they seem to just be continuously not giving a shit. And I think part of it, mm-hmm. you know, I was going to say this earlier, but I think part of it is like at a certain point, we are going to be living in a world where even seeing video clips of dead children from war zones, we won't know, we, we might not be able to tell if they're fake anymore at a certain point. And I do think Israel is is going to continue to take advantage of like the climate of confusion that we are like increasingly facing with just being able to deep fake things, AI, art, mm-hmm. whatever, because that is like one of the only things left to like prove to the world because we're not, most people are never going to get a chance to go there and see what happens after an Israeli mm-hmm. bombardment. If we don't, if we don't see those video clips and like actually able to be affected by them then that you know that also like would help something like uh you know that also would help israel is what i'm saying so that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not only did did they not give a shit if like they just put out the most hyperbolic claims ever and just keep moving on to the next one they don't care if they get debunked or not they're maybe maybe they're hoping that like people will start (laughs) start calling into question a bunch of you know real footage of like dead Palestinian children, which they already are. No, they are. Yeah, they already they are. are. And like really high level people are going out and saying things like, "Oh, great acting!" Like they're acting like almost like Alex Jones did during Sandy Hook, but about dead Palestinian civilians, like they're crisis actors. No, it's, yeah, Israeli officials are literally doing that. It's uh, they are literally 
saying that Palestinians are faking their injuries and they're posting like behind the scenes footage of some documentary of a girl with like fake blood yes. and showing them smiling behind the scenes. And it's like, this is a, this is insane. Yeah. It is really officials. Yeah. Official. That's what makes, that's and what the, make, I, reminds me of QAnon. I mean, that's probably even yeah. why it got into my head when I made that yep. comparison. Cause that is like a QAnon level type of propaganda to put out. Yeah, and I've even seen, it's like, again, like just throwing everything out there and seeing what sticks because first they'll they'll just say, oh, it's collateral, damn it. Oh, you're insane for insinuating that journalists are being targeted. Robbie, you're totally nuts, you conspiracy theorists. And then, and then it's like, oh, well, they're not journalists. They're embedded with Hamas. Well, that's, uh, yeah, that was what I was just going to jump to next is that I watched CNN for about 45 minutes just out of curiosity mm-hmm. to see how they were covering it. And even though they were completely giving the IDF deference and you know barely covering the Palestinian side of it, I was actually still surprised by the things that were coming out of the mouth of both of the reporters. For example, um, it was like a tour again to show like the idea of the Hamas tunnels, and the host said before she tossed to the package that all the footage you're about to see has been like vetted and approved by the IDF. We are required to cover this there to like get their approval. So first I was like, okay, that's interesting that they seem to be saying that like all, like all the time. Like they didn't just say that like once and then moved on. They've been, they seem to say that like at the head of all their little packages. So that's one tiny positive thing to see the mainstream media doing. Then the second thing was the reporter getting the tour. He was like, even though it's like really dark here, we have to come in the cover of darkness because they're afraid of being attacked the 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 like he didn't use the word crazy but he's like the level of the devastation out here is like palpable it's like nothing like i've ever seen like he was describing it like almost like horrified at like the rubble and like the destruction yeah and then when he goes into the little bunker tunnel whatever it just almost looks like a sewer drain pipe that's like really shallow and they can't go in very far and he's like he's like (laughs) you know uh they, you know, the IDF is claiming this right now that this is um, why they believe this is a Hamas command center. But I, but we have to say that they st- have still not shown any evidence uh, to make that claim uh, like credible at this point. And then he's like, "Back to you, so and so." So it was like I was like mm-hmm. surprised at just those three things. Probably are enough, like to piss off these crazy Likudniks and the crazy people in the Israeli government who are like, let's just start saying these news networks like work with Hamas. Like that's even too much questioning to even have that, the bare minimum of like journalistic effort being shown. Right, right. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. so it's fascinating to then see, they're not just trying to justify bombing journalists. Like you said, they're trying to justify or sorry, bombing hospitals. They're trying to now justify murdering journalists. Mm -hmm. And specifically Mm -hmm. by putting heat on CNN and Reuters claiming, having like military officials come out and say, these two people who work for your organizations are Hamas. Like, and like, and and I don't know if they're like, we're going to go capture them or we're going to go kill them, but they're like, it's almost like they're doing it as like a, like a, like a pressure game to see how the media responds to it or what happens. Or, I mean, it's, it's very crazy play to basically accuse two extremely milquetoast mainstream media networks as being like pro Hamas. I mean, not not just working with Hamas, but also saying that their coverage is pro Hamas. Right. Even though they're blatantly pro Israel. It's so 
frightening to see this. It's just a topsy-turvy world. It's like, it's again, it's like every every accusation is really an admission. Yes. It's like you're, it's like all projection. It is all projection. And it's like you put it, the whole tactic and strategy of Israel is to put you on the defense, especially because pro-Palestine activists are anti-racists and anti-bigots because we care about oppressed and indigenous people and we care about justice and truth and human rights. And so to call people like us anti-Semitic, it immediately puts you on the defense where you're like shocked and horrified. And then you're trying to rationalize why you're not an anti-Semite mm-hmm. yeah. by caring about Palestinian rights. And so it's it's the whole strategy and the whole tactic is to put everyone else on the defense. And they're doing it now, but in the most cartoonish way possible, where it's so it's so egregiously lopsided. It's like, how are you accusing Reuters? Like Reuters and, and the UN, the UN, they're saying Hamas is embedded in the UN. And there's more UN workers that have been killed than Hamas militants. Mm-hmm. And I think that really says it all. And the fact that the UN won't even, you want to call the UN a, a, a pro-Palestine organization because they aren't even naming who is murdering their officials. There's all this passive voice every time a journalist dies from Reuters or whatever. And every time a UN official dies, you see the official accounts being like, we mourn the death. Like it's very tragic that this so-and-so yeah. died. And it's like, well, who fucking killed yeah. them? No, it's it's that to me is probably one of the most shocking things. And this came up for me when I did an episode without you last month about all the journalists killed in Israel before this and how mm-hmm. crazy it is. You know, it's one thing to to not to be able to look the other way when Israel's being able to kill this many civilians and children with impunity or bomb hospitals. But it's another thing to me entirely to like believe in your profession's values so little. And mm-hmm. devalue what you yourself do, and like your fellow people in your fellow profession mm-hmm. do, to the point where you would not speak out and just like let journalists murder or let Israel murder journalists with impunity, like mm-hmm. a country that's supposedly a democracy. I mean, and, and that's like supposedly like an ally of the U.S. and all this shit. I mean, it is that to me is one of the more crazy things, and I don't know what that's about. I don't know if it's because they're. You know, I would like to think that they're afraid of getting reprimanded at their place of work or by the higher ups, but I don't even think it's that. I think they're in, they've internalized something, or there's some denial or something that Israel like gets away with something so heinous, like directly just blowing away journalists because they do not want them to cover yeah. war, their war crimes. Yep, yep. And this is this is the deadliest month for journalists in the last like 40 years. Yeah, talk about that. Uh, anywhere. Give some of the specifics the about that. I mean, the specifics of that are even during Vietnam, during the entire 20-year conflict, not this many journalists died. And how many journalists I mean, this, have this is died how crazy in this? Over 50. Fuck. That, yeah, that Over is 50. very suspicious. It's just, it's just really suspicious. There's no way that that's happening as crossfire or collateral. No. You know. For no, being there. no. You can argue that a no couple maybe way, got man. caught in some sort of, you know, indiscriminate yeah. bombing, but there is absolutely, I mean, we know that entire homes, entire families of journalists are being wiped straight out systematically, systematically slaughtered. Their whole families. Yeah, they straight up and it's sending a message to other journalists too. That's, it's, it's a straight up message being like, it's a threat. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That's the thing. It is a threat. And maybe that's part of why there's some kind of internalized fear 
of why other mm-hmm. journalists don't mm-hmm. talk about it. Maybe like a part of them is like having this altruistic, weird rationalization that we're like, well, if I go out there at some point and want to cover it, like I don't want to get on Israelis' bad sides so I can like cover it critically or else they'll kill me. Like there's like a unconscious, because it is a weird thing that journalists don't talk about. Other countries, they seem comfortable talking about how they go in these dangerous situations and they almost got themselves killed having to talk to so-and-so or embed themselves with so-and-so or be in this you know, government that has a totalitarian leader. But like, you never hear a journalist talk about what it, like, what it would be like to, you know, worry about getting murdered for doing journalism in Israel or the United States. But you, I mean, in the United States, of course, you probably don't hear about it because people live here, but so it's like more cognitive dissonance. But in Israel, like that to me is even more surprising that there's cognitive dissonance enough to be like, just not talk about that. I mean, I think I think it it has to be such deep seated denial of not being able to accept reality. You can't because if you were like, if you were a fence sitter, or even if you were like not anti Zionist, mm-hmm. and you were like, you know, you were just you were just a critical journalist doing your job, and you believed that Israel has the right to exist as an exclusively Jewish state mm-hmm. based on the expulsion of indigenous inhabitants. And it, I feel like you would have to maintain that level of denial because you can't accept what is happening. Because if you accept what's happening, you have to accept that something is deeply, deeply wrong with a country that claimed, like you said, claims to be a democracy, is a, such a staunch ally of the United States. It is beyond I mean, it's beyond perverse. It's like super evil. I mean, it's it's strategic and it makes sense if you are a fascist, like outright fascist government that wants no dissent at all. I mean, they are they they are literally going and rounding up Israelis who say like the most like, I mean, benign things like very benign things on Facebook and such like like it is full blown fascism. Full-blown fascism. And that means you are purging your political dissidents. You are purging them, not just within Israeli society, but you are murdering them. And you know you can get away with it under the cover of this, this under the smoke screen of whatever the hell you're doing. It's crazy, Robbie. And I, I wanted to really quickly say something about the hospital because I forgot, um, even CNN admitted that they rearranged the weapons, which means that they planted all the weapons. Um, and they also the IDF released that big video that everyone was waiting for, trying to see what the CGI rendering, you know, the manifestation of whatever the CGI rendering was like in real life. We were like, oh my God, we're going to see this fortress, Mm -hmm. this Haman fortress. And all they showed was just the MRI machine where there was like a machine gun sitting there. Which doesn't make any sense because do you know how an MRI machine works? Yeah. No, it has an extremely powerful electromagnet that like, yeah, if you kept any metal in there, you'd be a, moron for like you would be yes. basically putting everyone in danger who's like working the MRI. Right. So Yeah, no, it's 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 so stupid, Robbie. And it looked like one of those like drug bust photos that like Oakland PD posts of just like a bag of yeah, weed, yeah. like a dime it bag did. and like a gun. Mm-hmm. It's like it literally looked like the most like low gra- like it was just like this is this is the Hamas command center. Even if this was really mm-hmm. there, this is like nothing. And then you realize that it wasn't there. <laughs> well obviously and and even CNN was like, yeah, the weapons were rearranged for us. And then even the IDF, when they posted that video showing the guy walking through, they edit, they had to take it down and re-upload it with an edit. 
Wow. With an edit because they showed a laptop of like clearly a soldier, like an IDF soldier's laptop that they claimed was Hamas. And so in the re-edited version, they blurred out the Wow. It's like, yeah, no, it's crazy. Oh, wow. So CNN got like agreed to do that, even though like they've been (laughs) very mildly questioning these other things. That's fascinating. So Jesus Christ, the level of, because you got to, you got to imagine some of these reporters who are maybe just like, probably just generic normie Democrats or Mm -hmm. whatever, maybe not even really that political are realizing that they're being fed bullshit like in real time. Like that that must right. be part of what's happening. Because right. otherwise it, it's it is kind of interesting that like all these just really normy like corporate reporters would be asking basic questions like this or may, you know I, I don't know, but that's an example of what you just said of them actually covering for them and secretly, you know, editing Right, something. right, right. They didn't yeah, so. no, exactly. Exactly. And and well, and also there's the infamous calendar where Tell this them is about seems, that because we didn't. Okay, talk this about is that this time. is so crazy. So for people who weren't following this closely, an IDF official was bringing some like a CNN person or whatever through the alleged bunker, and it was really just like hospital rooms with literally nothing at all going on. And they pointed to a calendar on the wall, and he was like, "This." He just like confidently points to it as if he read. It. It's like time stamping when the hostages were cycled out. Mm-hmm. From Hamas. Like, that's what he was claiming it was. He was like, see, this is when the hostages came in. This is when the terrorists would come. And this is when Hamas commanders would, like, take the next hostage and whatever. And it's like, what in the hell is going on? Why would you... Like, it's so crazy because it's like, it's so easily debunked. Mm -hmm. What is the purpose of propaganda like that? Because it makes the CNN reporter, whoever was, like, just repeating it, look so bad and dumb. Mm -hmm. Like, I would be so pissed if I was that reporter being like, why the fuck did you tell me this? Like, what is going on? Why? So it's that kind of level of propaganda where it doesn't even make sense. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's fascinating. You know, it almost kind of reminds you of like an episode of like the thick of it because of how comical it would normally be. Like if a politician is like being told to read something and it just says something completely different than what they're saying, and and they're just going through the motions, and the reporters just like, they, they, it is really, um, it's it's in a way it's shocking, but in another way it's almost like, this is kind of re- it does remind me of like Iraq War propaganda, like the level of cartoonishness and the volleys that they would be you know kicking through. They didn't seem to care if they wouldn't you know like the Jessica Lynch thing. I mean, that mm-hmm. was like a huge myth that was able to lift up. You know the the Iraq War or the or the um, Pat Tillman, you know hero story and all that shit. I mean, <clears throat> um, but I think now, I mean, people are more savvy now in terms of being able to debunk things and knowing how to like real debunk time, things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So back then, they're just you know, if that happened now, it would be a similar situation. Where people be like, "Holy shit, mm-hmm. they try, they're going for this? Like what? That's crazy." <laughs> but. Yeah, and before we move on to the the free speech debate on campuses, which is really nuts, actually, I just want to make one final point about the war on hospitals, um, because the thing is, in the north where they they wanted they wanted to just like level the north immediately and then deal with the south later, and they're trying to mm-hmm. bribe Egypt to take two point three million people and just to fully ethnically cleanse the region, and you just saw, you know, Israeli officials on TV just yesterday being like. Every country needs to take a couple thousand 
and then we're just going to be done with it. Like, we just want this to be over. Like, just take the Palestinians away. Um, and the fact that the world is just like, oh, okay, like, well, why can't we just... T-? It's like, why are we allowing... Et- like, this is classic textbook ethnic cleansing. And we're just sitting back and allowing Israel to do this. It is insane. And the U.S. is the only country that's providing cover. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, so anyway, it, it, it that's why they're trying to clear out the hospitals and murder all the doctors. because the, and, and it's so tragic, Robbie. You see these doctors, like, final rallying call... Like one of them was on the democracy now and he was just like, I am not leaving my patients. Like, and then he died because he got bombed. Oh um, and all the hospitals in the North, that's what it's, it's either you couldn't leave because you were about to have a baby or you were in an, you know, you were baby in an incubator or you were, you know, physically disabled or you were waiting for surgery or you were fucking waiting to be amputated. Because you were injured in a bombing. Like, there, there's countless examples of why people had to stay in the hospitals. Mm-hmm. And also just thousands of people who were sheltering from the bombardment. And they wanted to clear out those hospitals because they didn't want a single soul alive in that area. And that's why they moved in with snipers. That's why they... It, it's all about terrorism. It's all about sending a clear message to the rest of the inhabitants of Gaza. Leave or you will be killed. 100%. Hundred percent. I mean, I guess let's end with the whole free speech, you know, one eighty by the virtually the entire right and also like right wing media especially. But I mean, basically the right wing and a lot of other people too. It's not just the right, but the right wing has one eighty on this because they've been acting like the champions of free speech. But a lot of people, Zionists, liberals, even have been demanding college campuses and even cities and states pass new laws banning specifically pro-Palestinian speech because they've basically been pushing this line the whole time that like the two most popular pro-Palestinian rallying cries are like anti-Semitic code or slogans, which are, you know, from the river to the sea. And then the other one is, um, the fuck's the other one that I'm, that I'm not remembering. Free Palestine? <laughs> yeah, free Palestine. No, there was one other specific one. Oh, it'll, it'll come back to me. But, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, people like Marjorie Taylor Greene are pushing this kind of stuff. Lauren Boebert. Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene, of course, was also trying to push for the censoring of Rashida Tlaib, which was a pretty mortifying and embarrassing and shameful thing that basically happened recently to her. Um but with Marjorie Taylor Greene, she's being joined by like the Republican rhinos uh, with the chorus also of Zionist liberal Democrats who are basically calling for what I just said, restrictions on pro-Palestinian speech. And I think a lot of them know they're acting in bad faith by trying to equate it with anti-Semitism. I think, in fact, probably the majority of like the big people doing that are acting in bad faith. I think a lot of people genuinely believe it who are dumb and that just that emotionally sort of sucked into that side of things. But um, only one figure, Abby, that I saw out of the entire swath of right-wing media actually veered from the script enough to seemingly actually cause like consequences for herself. And that was Candace Owens. Um, But then you know, if you listen to enough of what she says about it, if you watch especially her interview with Tucker Carlson that she did recently, uh, she basically shitcoats her now sort of critical of Israel views 
with insinuations and direct accusations of like why how the Jews or like basically trying to like mix together this idea of like the Israel lobby and like how the Jews are pushing an agenda with their money uh, that is pro-Israel. And that's also the same, like it's coming, like the same people who are pushing that, which are the Jews they're saying, are also pushing anti-white hatred and things to make you feel bad about being white. And that's what they both talked about on the Tucker Carlson show. So first of all, I think people need to get out of their head that she's actually had some kind of moral awakening to what's happening. Maybe on some level she has because of the, just the level of depravity that the Israeli government is engaging in right now with all the dead kids that are being videotaped and, and photographed. But it's, it's still mixed with this sort of weird right-wing anti-Semitism that is, I, I don't even really understand why it's coming up in this way, but it's mixed with that. And we also can't forget how Ben Shapiro, you know, Ben Shapiro has been like talking shit about her. They've been like kind of, warring in public and it it's actually seems real to me with each other she works for him um and she just her last episode was an interview with norman finkelstein <laughs> before she went on <laughs> maternity leave which i thought was kind of a funny or kind of surprising move because i'm sure ben shapiro has basically fired her at this point um but it's interesting and notable that he didn't give a shit when candace owens just like six months ago was overtly defending the anti-Semitic remark Kanye was making. Right. He didn't care at all. <laughs> Good point. He even still was kind of quasi defending <laughs> Kanye before he got too anti-Semitic and then he started going after him, but he didn't care when she was doing that. He only cared and got upset when she went off script with Israel. So I think yep. that's this, that what I just said is a really important point about the way that like the right wing looks at this whole situation, including Zionists and, and the ADL, because the ADL actually recently went after Elon Musk for essentially agreeing to a similar thing I just said about how that Candace Owens is pushing, that the Jews are making us feel bad about being white, like the same forces are that are pushing that are also pushing the pro-Israel propaganda. Elon Musk agreed with that in like a Twitter exchange. The ADL came after him for it, and he's his way of basically getting out of the situation or having a diplomatic exit with them, at least in public, was to say he is now going to ban the two most popular pro-Palestinian slogans on Twitter because they're anti-Semitism or calls for violence. And they both, Abby, two of the ADL representatives thanked him publicly, even though they originally yeah, went I after him for like responding to like a white neo not like white nationalist neo-nazi guy and agreeing with him is <laughs> fucking it's crazy insane it's so crazy dude the adl is honestly i mean full mask off for the adl too of course uh, even though we all knew that they were a horrible organization that pretended to be about fighting and combating anti-semitism and it's really just about protecting israel it's about crushing pro-palestinian speech right that's now. what it is like they're mm -hmm. they care way more about that than they care about destroying anti-semitism and in fact in some ways having uh, like actually having anti-semitism flourish or to have it come up actually makes gives reasons for organizations like this like makes give them reasons to exist they would not exist if it wasn't for the real phenomenon of anti-semitism otherwise people would be like why do you guys even exist this doesn't even anti-semitism not a thing but because it is 
they exist and continue to be able to mix together, like I was saying, you know, how Jews are under threat, you know, like Jews don't feel safe even like they're peddling that kind of nonsense right now. Like Jake Tapper had on a fucking MIT student who said she doesn't feel safe on campus right now because of pro Well, is it Katie, Katie Halper had the funniest response to that. Cause she's her, she's comes from a lineage of Holocaust mm-hmm. survivors too. And she's Jewish. And you know, some guy was like, check in with your friends and family, check in with your Jewish colleagues and like validate that their fears like we're are totally valid. Uh-huh. Like their fears the whole time about the you know about the threats uh-huh. that Jews face in this country. And Katie was like, actually check in with your Palestinian friends and fa- and colleagues and make sure their families are alive. Yeah. <laughs> the Jonathan Greenblatt's of the world, the ADL guy, he is disgusting. What he is doing, it the ruse falls apart when you just look at the maps that they're putting out. And this happened like back during the Sheikh Jarrah. Um, stuff during 2021. This is when I realized like what the utility of the ADL is for Israel because it's really just like an appendage that, like you said, conflates all these things together and hypes it up to the p- point where they become almost like like equivalencies like in the m- media and the press just runs with these stories. Like there were so many concocted anti-Semitic things that they claim happened that ended up being completely made up or actually, again, like every accusation is an admission Mm -hmm. (laughs) is like a lot of Israelis and a lot of um, Zionists in LA tried to instigate a bunch of shit and then ran, you know, they, they ran to the press and claimed that what they did happened to them. So anyway, looking at the charts from the ADL today of all the anti-Semitic incidents, they claim since October 7th, there is an uptick, a huge increase, Robbie, you look at their website and you're like, oh my God, like, 500% 500% increase or something. I'm, I I don't know the exact number of like anti-Semitic attacks and hate speech and all of these things. And it's and and if you look at the breakdown, a pro-Palestine rally is counted. And so Jesus really that Christ. would beg the question, so is everything that we're seeing like any time that you chant free Palestine or you or you see a direct action be made where it has the language that they claim is anti-Semitic, right? The genocidal language mm-hmm. wiped all Jews off the map. Um, that is included and folded into these statistics that are being per- trotted out there in the press. Yeah, it's completely juked it's stats. It's totally fake. And then, and then what's even more fascinating is when you look at what the ADL said before October 7th about the phrase from the river to the oh, sea. Oh, hell yeah, dude. They literally said it was a chant, a, a common chant at Palestinian, pro-Palestine rallies. Fast forward to today. Oh man, I they love have retroactively, it. retroactively changed the website yep. in previous articles to say it is a incitement to genocide. Wow, where are all those sleuths that were finding all the stuff about like COVID, like WHO changing their website or like Pfizer changing their website during? There was like <laughs> thousands of people who were on the right who were posting all those little changes that were being made or like the dictionary definition of vaccine. Remember how that was like a mm-hmm, controversy? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's remarkable, isn't it, that you you basically have to rely on like left wing alt media to be finding these things and like pulling them out. Yeah, I mean. Um, but sorry, really quickly, what what did they edit again? Can you say it again? I just had to complete. Yeah, so they 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 edited the fr- like their articles that claimed what the phrase from the oh, river to yeah. the sea okay. meant. They previously did not say that it was anything remotely 
construing incitement to genocide, and now it's just become a blanket call for the genocide of Jews. Well, that it's interesting you say that because it's basically like they're rewriting the rules. You know, they already admitted, yeah. and we have record of them basically admitting that it was like an innocuous rallying cry. Right. But we also have interesting, weird moving of the goalposts and changing of the rules that are like unique for this conflict, where even Newsweek admitted in a thing about like the whole hospital. You know, at first hospital, mm-hmm. like, did they, was it Hamas or was it this or that? Um, in the Newsweek article, they basically talk about how all these people now are saying that we can't trust the Gazan Health Ministry's numbers at all because it's like a Hamas propaganda arm. Like, they're just being told what to say by Hamas. And because Hamas is the government there, we can't trust them. But, and then the Newsweek article actually made the point, well, like Hamas has been the elected government since like 2012 or 2013. So the Gazan health ministry has never been called into question to this degree before. This is unique for this reason. And it's not because that Hamas is the elected government there. That is like what they're, they're just saying that now, essentially. Like that's what the Newsweek article was spelling out, that the all the people who are yelling that are just like changing the rules. Like everybody tr- was repeating those numbers before and now all of a sudden they're up for a question. I mean, that's what's just so sneaky about all this shit. Oh, yeah. Well, and also is, yeah, like, I mean, even crazier, it was 2006 was the, was the election. But even crazier is that Israeli officials and Israeli media are not disputing the death toll at all. Wow. At oh, all. Oh, interesting. So it's, it's only like Western. US. Yeah, yeah. Like, so like, even for Biden example, uh, was, that's wild. Okay. Yeah, because even Biden, even just like a couple days ago, Biden was like the beheaded babies thing again. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude. Get the fuck out of my face, dude. Um, but no, David Sheen, he lives in Israel, and he's constantly, like, translating the Hebrew shit that's on Israeli media. And he was showing, like, how there's, like, a ticker real-time on an Israeli, like, a main television channel about the war, and it basically just says the amount of dead that Hamas Health Ministry says, because like you said, this has never been called into question. Their numbers have always been taken totally credibly in their official UN documentation and all that for all the conflicts. But the, the Israeli media is putting a live tracker and saying terrorists killed. Fascinating. So every so the entire number Wow all the carnage of all the civilians is just call is just all terrorists. Wow dude that is yeah. fucking crazy. That yeah. is crazy. <laughs> I know. But, I know. But again, it really does remind me of the Bush era. Mm-hmm. It really does. I mean, it's almost, it's like, to me, it's crazier than that, though, because the Bush era was so, so horrific. But even then, how crazy would it have been to, like, you know, like 500,001 terrorists kill? It's like, even that would have been yeah, just not like for every so Iraqi nuts. civilian. <laughs> they they did, and I'm still trying to find video footage of this to prove to people, but I remember news networks actually saying, instead of like, the American soldiers killed so-and-so many of insurgency, they would actually use the word terrorists. Like, for the first few months oh of the Iraq God. war. Oh, my God. No the, yeah, way. The U.S. killed three oh. terrorists today in Iraq. Oh, my, oh my I, God. I, I, I can, oh, I can no, hear no, it no, in no, my no, mind, no. and I know that I heard it. Like, it wasn't a false memory. They said it a lot, but then they stopped saying it like after a couple months. Pro- maybe only it was Fox oh. News, but it was definitely said. Oh god! But not. But to your point, the, they are acting even crazier. I mean, the fact that they're doing this in this day and age, 
where there's more people, more eyes on this, more people who are able to look up things and verify them, it makes it even crazier, for sure. And um, how crazy is it that this free speech warrior, Elon Musk, has immediately capitulated to the ADL? Well, and I mean, they didn't like, even ask him to do that specifically. That's no, what's I even know. More and, tell, and, and it's not just the from the river to the sea. It's de- the word decolonize. That's what it was. Sorry. That's what it was. Decolonize. Yeah, that's what I forgot earlier. That decolonize is like some kind of clear call for violence. And also, it needs to be said that people like Chris Rufo and these other people who were basically having like an enormous amount of influence over the way the right wing media sphere has gone the past couple of years with groomer and, you know, um, all the, you know, the claims that like Chinese propaganda is influencing us. They're now basically demanding or putting out their own rallying cry saying we need to link anti-Zionism with wokeism and like how decolonization is like, they're that they're the ones saying that, and that's the key to like linking these together. Like that has always been like a woke rallying cry. Like don't be fooled. Like we need this. We we need to hammer home that like it's the same as the. It's all part of the woke movement. Um, and I thought that was interesting because that does seem to be like where Elon Musk is at the current juncture. I mean, if he's thinking decolonization is an actual like call for violence or it's too woke or whatever the fuck. I mean, you know. That's so insane. But also, let's just say how bizarre it was that we already know the PayPal mafia and where he comes from is pro-Israel. David Sachs was constantly talking about the Ukraine war and how all the neocons and how anti-war he was. And then all of a sudden, when IDF started just genociding the Palestinians, he didn't say shit. It was like almost mm-hmm. like, oh, wow, this is it's really interesting to see these people doing this anti-war shtick who are like, complete Zionist or closet Zionist really kind of trying to skate by and not say anything about this. Like I thought that that it's really fascinating. So Elon Musk comes from the PayPal mafia. He gave, who are the two journalists he gave the Twitter files to Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss. I mean, what does that tell you? Why Barry Weiss? Is he inspired by her piece in the New York times that about the intellectual dark web? Well, remember that was written by Barry Weiss. And who was everybody in the intellectual dark web? Besides Joe Rogan, everybody in that article was virulently pro-Israel. Every single person. Mm-hmm. So somehow they found all these renegades who di- you know, diverged from what was mainstream acceptable thought, all these classical liberals, Abby, who happened to be virulently pro-Israel. I mean, what are the chances of that? You know, mm-hmm. And let's just say, for people who don't know this, Barry Weiss has actually done paid work for an Israeli lobbying group that is funded by the Israeli government called Stand With Us. So, which in essence makes her a paid Israeli government lobbyist. So, that she is not a renegade journalist, free speech journalist, whatever, however she markets herself. She's an Israeli government lobbyist pretending to be some kind of free speech, intellectual dark web, whatever the fuck journalist. Space, Free speech for everyone it's except pro-Palestine simple. activists. Yeah, yeah, I mean, she she her claim to fame is like trying to dox and get people fired for just having pro-Palestine beliefs on, on college campuses. And here, this is this is insane. This is from her Substack. This is an excerpt from her Substack. I'm just going to quote this because it's really nuts. The result of this mess, the mess being 
the conflict, the Palestine-Israel conflict, as always, are especially bad for the Palestinians who live under Hamas's rule, Robbie. Casualty reports are hard to verify, of course, because Hamas controls the media inside the Gaza Strip, but it appears more than um, 50 Palestinians have been killed. This is from like this is from a 2021 article, so this is from the Sheikh Jarrah era. But this is what she says next. Some of these people are entirely innocent non-combatants, including children. It's an unspeakable tragedy. It's also an unavoidable burden of political power, of Zionism's dream turned into the reality of self-determination. Wow. That's fucking crazy. Innocent children have to die, Robbie, because it's just part of the burden of of Zionism's political power. Well, at least she, I mean, that's, it's kind of like almost like a Robert Kagan, but more, just more crazy Mm -hmm. sounding. I mean, but it's like, it's nice at times when people just say it like that. I mean, then we really know what, you know, at least we know what we're dealing with. We're not dealing with this fucking dance and all this manipulation. That's just spelled out, completely spelled out. Can you imagine if that was the other way around? If you're just like, well, freeing freeing Palestine, of course, like innocent Jewish children have to die, but like that's just what has to happen, Robbie. Like, can you imagine if we yeah, just nonchalantly yeah. were talking? Well, that that's way? what they're claiming. That's how they're claiming we're talking. In fact, they're claiming we're like people like us are basically saying, advocating for like the death of all Jews. I mean, that's what they are. They so they already just like are claiming that anyways, but but you're right. <laughs> they would, I mean, it would be absurd. Yeah. And, and I just want to make clear that a one state, so I don't, you know, it's not up to us to say what Palestinians should do to two states or one, but I mean, two states would be pretty hard at this point because of the atomization of the West Bank. But if it's a one state, that doesn't mean the expulsion of anyone, actually. It just means that Jewish Israelis would have an important place to assimilate to equal rights and democratic rights that are shared by their Palestinian neighbors and brethren. And it's up to them if they want to stay or leave. A lot of them are dual nationals. They can just leave. Um, so that it, it's actually not about expelling anyone at all. When you're calling to free Palestine from the river to the sea, it just means no occupation and no siege and that everyone lives equally in a society. One person, one vote. It's such a weird argument like that this has now been turned into somehow a false equivalency between actual genocidal incitement explicit explicitly laid out by israeli officials and israeli society versus a hypothetical call or just a hypothetical that a call for freedom means genocide of jews so then you need to commit genocide preemptively because otherwise you're going to get genocided it's the weirdest thing i've ever seen and it's just unfolding before our eyes. <laughs> then there's nothing we can do about it other than do what we've been doing. I, I, it's the most helpless, tragic thing in the world. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty fucked up. But let's, let's keep hoping that there's a growing, you know, that this energy keeps growing and growing. Because I, I have to say I am really impressed and heartened to see so many young people taking the right side in this. And just so many people in general. I mean, it is, it it does give me some hope. As hopeless as you've been feeling, Abby, I mean, I think that is one sliver of hope here that we can at least hold on to. That there's there's a growing sentiment that people see how horrific this is, and that's not gonna. I don't think that's gonna go away. I think that's part of why Israel has gone into more of a desperate and just throwing everything against the wall to see what sticks 
mode and accelerating that more, even more, um, because the world is watching them. It's really that simple. It sounds generic, but it's, that's what's going to happen. That's why they don't want, you know, they even said it. I think what, what, what was, I think a news network actually acknowledged that the Israeli government's, one of the reasons for not wanting the four hour window of pausing in the fighting was because then that will allow media networks to come in and film the level of carnage that they've unleashed. Yep. Yep. And give more yeah. sympathy to the Palestinians. So they, that's yeah. the mm-hmm. I think that's the key to remember here that even the normal, the normie mainstream media, is even posing a threat to what Israel is trying to do at this point. And I think that says a lot about the level of insanity that Israel is operating on. I mean that they're even threatened by CNN and Reuters and these people. I mean, so yeah, yeah. No, you're right. We. I mean, and I just. I just opened my phone to just see what time it was. And the first image I see is a little kid, my son's age, half buried in the rubble with his brother's arm around him. Oh, God. And that's how they died. It's heartbreaking. It's, there's no words to describe, to describe it. There really isn't. Um, but let's just wrap. Let's just wrap it here because I don't even think I can continue. Well, it was good to talk to you. <laughs> it was really great talking to you, Abby. And I'm sorry uh, uh, we ended on that note, but I mean, it's you're just expressing your real feeling. It is, yeah. it's a harrowing thing to witness. And I think it's normal to, you know, people who are feeling guilty or feeling like they should do more, or it's normal to feel a whole range of emotions when you're witnessing atrocities like this. And it's normal to, value even the things that you take for granted i mean you don't have to live uh in those conditions and there's you you privilege as a westerner you know if you're listening to this and you live in like the u.s or something you weren't born in an environment like that and like the people you it's it's almost it's it is impossible in some ways to relate to how that would change your complete your outlook on life entirely and your struggles and what it means to be human and you know they say that people, you know, that the Israeli government says like people in Palestine, like they worship death, you know, they're like a death cult or whatever, like people, you know, Hamas. And it's like, when you're under those conditions, like you value life more than a regular average person does. Like you don't understand what living under that kind of duress does to you to value every single day that you have on this planet. And that's, I think something people people need to remember that. So it's it's actually the opposite of what the Israeli government has been saying about the Palestinian people. So Exactly. Well said. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Let's do it again soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Robbie. And thanks for all Media Roots listeners. We really appreciate your support. It means the world to us and my brother's been doing a lot of great heavy lifting with the with the patreon stuff that you guys should check out so continue to support the project we really really appreciate you guys you know consider donating supporting media roots if you can um also you know donate to palestinian relief groups obviously right now as well but if you have anything extra to spare uh, go to patreon.com slash media roots radio And if you become a subscriber, you get access to uh, a bunch of exclusive content. Exclusive content that will also come out the same month this podcast does. 
So thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>